Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 168. That is not a typo. Today is opening day of the Winter Olympics, Friday, February 7th, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as usual, as always, the other Canadian... Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Yes, it is cold in Toronto, and yes, we have lots of snow on the ground. That's all I got to say. It is, it's totally Winter Olympic time. It is. I cannot wait. The faster we get off this show, the faster we actually get to go up and watch some of these, uh, some athletes compete, actually walk into the stadium. I know that the, uh, the, the opening ceremonies were at 11 o'clock this morning, Eastern time, but I have not watched a single thing. I've been in a car most of the day. I cannot wait to sit down for the next 17 days and watch great athletes from around the world compete at a high level. I can't wait. Cannot yeah. wait. I love the tra- the trash talking that's going on already. Like you know, the, like Canada, like Canadian athletes that are always like typical Canadians, like super polite and yeah. nice and friendly to everybody. Like so that the Sean White pulls out of the uh, slope style event, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he pulled out. You know, he knew he couldn't win." And this, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just it, it was it was great to see trash talking <laughs> Canadians. You trash never see that Canadians. at all. Love it. Well, uh, we, we've got uh, a great show for you, as usual. We're going to ch- try to change the format uh, a little bit with it, so bear with us as we go through. This is time for change, 168 episodes in. We're going to try to bring you a few extra stories. We're going to uh, d- dive deep into only a couple of them, and we've got a little, little bit of a different structure. So this is beta for this new uh, format, but you'll still appreciate it, I hope. And we'd love to hear your feedback. If you like this or if you like the, the, the previous version of uh, This Week in Location-Based Marketing. So we're going to give it a try. We'll see how it goes. We're a little bit uh, anxious. We'll see. We'll see, I guess, is the best way to say this. What is not going to change? The incredible stories that come through here. Our guest, we have a resource, we have an app, and of course, before we even get into that, we have our announcements, some of the events that are coming up with Steve. What what is going on in the world of the Location-Based Marketing Association? Uh, well, there's there's three things coming up real fast, um, and so we'll start with you know this this coming week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Digital Signage Expo in Las Vegas. I'll be out there on the Tuesday, kicking off the network operators conference. That's for all the guys who operate digital screen network, um, and so really excited about that and looking at that intersection between mobile and, and digital screens. So if you're in that world, you're in Las Vegas, come come and find me on Tuesday, and love to uh, grab a coffee and chat. And then uh, I leave on Friday for Australia uh, because uh, a week from Tuesday, that is the 18th, uh, we are hosting uh, the opening of a new chapter, the LPMA Sydney chapter, and crazy excited about that too. I think uh, you know it, it's time we're, we're in that market and um, you know expecting big things to come out of uh, Australia for us. So, um, so that's Tuesday the 18th, and then. March the 9th, Sunday, March the 9th, at South by, South by Southwest, um, you and I will both be at the LBMA's Retail Loco, which is a one-day uh, conference, um, and uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped about this thing, because like every day that goes by, 
I, like I get another piece of news about some great speaker that, that's decided they want to join us, a great retailer. And this week, the news that we, we didn't tell you last week, because I was waiting for confirmation, but we announced this week that I'm going to be doing a, uh, a fireside chat, an interview with a, a legend in the retail world, Richard Marcus, Richard C. Marcus. He is the former uh, CEO uh, of Neiman Marcus, uh, as, as his name implies. So this guy's been, you know, he's been in the industry forever. He's been a board director at Zales. He's been on Michael's Stores board. He's been, you know, with so many involved with so many companies and and startups, tech companies in the industry. So I'm pumped about that. And and like the agenda overall is is huge. We've got lots of great companies. So Sunday, March 9th, South by Southwest. Be there. Cannot wait, Asif. That is going to be fascinating. Not only that is, there's probably no snow on the ground there, right? Uh, not right now. They did, they did get snow two weeks ago. Well, it had better all be gone by the time we get yeah. there. Yeah, that was like a freak storm, so, you know. Yeah. Oddly enough, the only thing that I have to uh, to talk about is DX3 Canada. That is March 5th at 10 a.m. I will be speaking there. Uh, there is a $75 discount for that. If I could find the code right now, I'd give it to you, but I will have it. It is probably flashing on the screen right now. If you're watching this, if you're not, well, my apologies. Uh, check my Twitter stream or come to untether.tv and I will have it there for you. But it's $75 discount on DX3 as a result of listening to this. And it gives you an opportunity to come and see me speak and heckle me from the audience in real life. That's it. March, March 5th at 10 a.m. All right, so those are the uh, quick announcements. Before we get anything going, before we change this entire format, we got Chuck Martin and our Mobile Minute right now. Welcome back to yet another Mobile Minute. Well, 77% of shoppers are okay with sharing the location for targeting if... Yeah, uh, if they basically a majority, seventy-seven percent of consumers are are fine with actually sharing their smartphone location as long as they re receive enough value in return. This is according to a new study by Research Now for Squirrel, which is a company that markets and store technology to retailers. Uh, many consumers already figured out how to set their phones to receive these alerts, so we, we know that when they get near stores, they have that ka-ching or various other sounds, which I'm sure your your listeners are, are very familiar with. Um, it, but it's not that these aren't received. The majority, 67%, haven't received at least one in the last six months. So these messages are getting out there and they are being received. What's the top reason for them not, for us, as we as consumers, not using these kind of shopping alerts? Um, the, the, the Research Now study found that if they're not relevant, 41%, uh, if they're not relevant to the consumer's interest or location, followed by not providing enough value, that was 37%, or were annoying, 10%. So uh, there, are, there are clear guidelines on, on what should be sent to, to consumers. Chuck Martin, ladies and gentlemen, and our Mobile Minute. Of course, you can get five of those a week from untether.tv. All you have to do is go there and subscribe to the podcast. It's video only. If you want it on audio, let me uh, audio. Let me know. I will actually uh, put it into audio and send you a link to it as, if that's of interest. We thank Chuck Martin for allowing us to use that here. And of course, I thank him for being a part of the untether.tv emerging story. All right, as if you were saddled with finding the app of the week, you found one, Spot. Yes, I did. It's called Spot Messenger, S-P-O dot T-T uh, Messenger. It's uh, available in the in the App Store. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a an interesting uh, offering. First of all, it was brought to my attention by one of the founders, a guy named Mike Rose, uh, pointed this out to me and uh, asked me to take a look at it. So that's that's how I came to find it. So thank you, Mike, for, for doing that. 
Um, and so this is all about location-based um, storytelling, you know, sharing news information, you know, and stories connected to places. Um, and we've seen, you know, other services like this before. Um, but, you know, there's some interesting capabilities in here where, you know, you can do private messaging and, and you can, um, you know, um, find find other people with common interests uh, and things like that. So, you know, it, it's... Um, I think there's a category of these solutions starting to emerge, right? These ideas of, you know, we talked last, you know, a couple of weeks ago about the, uh, you know, the lamppost project. We, we talked about, you know, other things, you know, uh, you know, of a similar nature yep. over the years, broadcaster in New York and, and others. And, you know, I think there's this idea of bringing a city to life, you know, that is connected by, you know, places and objects and things and being able to share and tell stories around that. And for me, that's where kind of Spot Messenger fits you know, in, into the world of, of location-based services. So, um, yeah, neat little app. Go take a look at it. Uh, SPO.TT, Messenger. Spot Messenger, our app of the week. If you've used it, if you love it, reach out, robinontether.tv or seif at the lbma.com. And if you are downloading it and you actually are using it and love it, why not throw out a little Twitter post and, and uh, you know, draw attention to us and we'll, we'll push it out there. We really appreciate it. If you would let us know if you find those segments valuable. All right. The only way to do this is dive into it. That's 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 the way we're going to do this. So we have eight stories coming up. This is our basically our quick overview of them. We're going to take a three of these and we're going to expand on them after our interview. And uh, our guest today is Mikhail Damiani of Blue. And he will come up after we go through these eight stories. And then right after that, we are going to do a deep dive onto three of them and uh, offer our opinions about this. Just we'll see how this goes. So our first story today, Asif. Did you know that Foursquare raised $15 million? Did you know it was from Microsoft? It is true. Foursquare, maybe this is a saving salvo. They raised $15 million from Microsoft. Uh, and this is a straight up investment. This is also a data exchange because Microsoft will be using da uh, Foursquare data to enhance the experience, the location experience inside of Microsoft applications. This we'll see as we discuss a little bit later in the show, Maybe this is the way that that Foursquare will make their money. Well, I mean, we'll talk about this more, but but uh, you know, my one quick comment is is this is a super positive sign for Foursquare. I'm actually happy about this for Foursquare. So that's all I'm going to say for now. We'll Stay come back tuned. as one of our three features later on. All right. All right so our next story is uh, about a uh, a product called Shop Cloud, and and so this is a new indoor location technology. We talk a lot about indoor location on the show. Um, and and it, it's coming from a group out of Israel. And basically what these guys have done is, is they've kind of looked at providing indoor location to retailers without the capital cost of equipment. And so, you know, just putting in and leveraging all the sensors and in particular camera uh, and images. And we've talked about a, a similar company in the past that does, does something like this. But basically we're talking about indoor location, indoor positioning, you know, uh, pretty good level of accuracy. Uh, w within a meter or so, uh, they can get to, uh, but all using just the sensors in the device itself and, and creating a sort of a fingerprint of the building, uh, but no hardware in the store. So there you go, Shop Cloud. Our next story uh, is a really interesting one. It comes from uh, locally here in Toronto. Um, Ryerson University launched a project called In the Air Tonight, and it's a digital out of home uh, endeavor which takes uh, screens as people are walking by and, and attempts to draw. Uh, awareness uh, to the issue of homelessness and people uh, on the streets. And right now, 
as you've heard Rob and I talk about, it's cold. It's cold in Toronto. And so, you know, these people who, who are living on the streets are, are suffering really badly. And so what the, what the screen does is it, it, basic, it basically looks at um, the, the wind and it, it, it tells people what the temperature is. It shows, you know, the direction the wind is blowing. Um, and, and you can tweet uh, to a hashtag homelessness. And then all of a sudden the screen glows red every time somebody tweets, as in like you're warming up the people on the street. So it's all about bringing attention to the issue um, and, and a really great way to do this, um, you know, and I think draw, draw attention to the homelessness problem. So in the air tonight from Ryerson, uh, the Ryerson Image Center, which is part of Ryerson University. And you can find more information about that in the airtonight.org. Our fourth story, two Japanese companies coming together, NTT, Docomo, and uh, Duango have teamed up to create a virtual reality display like the Oculus Rift. Basically, this is a 360-degree broadcast video system that is trying to replicate a live concert experience and a bunch more. So picture this. You put this thing on your head, boom, it is a live 3D experience, an immersive experience with this thing on your face. Uh, and it allows you to look and focus on areas within that environment. So you can look over to the left, look over to the right, and see what's going on. And I just can't wait to the very first Bruce Springsteen concert. This is a huge opportunity, and this does compete with the Oculus Rift a little bit with their music delivery system. That's very cool. NTT and Duango. Our fifth story here. Listen, uh, you know it's cold here, Asif, and we all know that it is, but this is some of the technology that's emerging, which is really cool. Leveraging what is around you in order to be able to create an experience, an, immer an immersive experience. So Nokia this and this organization called Glove Love have created something called the Thermal Billboard. Now this is so cool, is that the colder this it gets outside, the more of the message is revealed on that billboard. So that it gets cold, more, more of the message is revealed. And I think that this is one of those things that you will actually go a destination billboard which is what they're gonna have to do in order to be able to build these things out now glove love is a really cool it's a matchmaking well maybe it's not so cool it's a matchmaking company that takes donations of single gloves you don't want to throw those single gloves out uh, which basically are matched uh, with hand stitched they're somebody else's somebody hand stitches an equivalent the other hand of that glove and then it's basically found you get a new owner they, they send them off to new owners. Um, this is a billboard that was placed uh, at Westfield on January 21st. And the old Truman Brewery, the day after that, the first 100 people who donated a single glove at each location were given were given newly matched pairs of gloves. This is a pretty unique thing. It shows that this is immersive, not just billboard, not just out of home, but it's actually a physical play as well. Nokia, Glove Love, and their thermal billboard is our yeah. fifth story. Yeah, and just one quick comment on that one, Rob. Before we go to the next one, so the the brand message that that was you know the reason Nokia did this is to is to demonstrate um, that you, their their touchscreen technology you can actually you know use their touchscreens while you're wearing gloves. Uh, it's that it, it, it's that sensitive. So that's why they you know the connection between the gloves and and, and Nokia and thermal billboards. And and it's cold. In, and it's cold. And it's cold. That's our theme for this whole show. It's, it's very cold. cold. <laughs> it's Winter Olympics and it's cold. Yes. Yes. All right, our sixth story, Asif. Yeah, so uh, one of our fantastic members, Place IQ, um, has, uh, you know, continues to innovate and do great uh, partnerships. And so Place IQ, uh, you know, has basically taken the whole of the U.S., broken it into a grid of uh, tiles that they refer to them as 100 meter by 100 meter uh, spaces. 
and they can look at device IDs when they come into that space, you know, and an ad that was delivered there, and then you know, did that same device show up in another part of the grid somewhere else in the U.S., you know, a couple, you know, miles away, where the store might be that you saw the ad for, and so they can track effectiveness of a location-based ad. So what they've done now is they've partnered with Rentrack TV to basically bring. Uh, the TV viewing data. So these guys represent 13 million households uh, and advertisers that buy TV. And so now they can look at the effectiveness of you know people buying TV and continue that conversation into mobile advertising. So if you already buy mobile, you know let's say you buy a commercial spot during you know the you know NCIS or or a show like that, and then you know you you want you also want to buy an ad placement on a mobile device. You, now you can look at the kind of that the the combination of that audience, you know, and, and how they flow from TV to mobile to to store. Um, so I think this is great. Um, and you know, we'll talk more about that as as we go on. Yeah, and if you'd like some more information about Place IQ, hit placeiq.com, and we'll see a little bit more of this. Our seventh story. Um, you know, this is probably not a unique story, but a shopping a, a grocery chain called Shoprite, with a chain basically with stores in Connecticut, New Jersey, has launched a pilot program to test the Shoprite mobile scan app. It is an in-aisle scanning system that allows shoppers to scan products with their mobile phones. This is probably not unique, but it's pretty cool. Uh, certainly location aware. It also alerts them based on the aisle that they're in and what they've just scanned. Any deals that are in that aisle for them to, and. That is where it gets a little bit interesting. It also debits or credits their account for their loyalty uh, account. And once their shopping experience is done, customers can just sync their mobile devices to designated self-serve pay stations. So this is a pretty automated process of finding the, the best deal. And I think it gives a little bit more of a competitive advantage to the folks that are on the bottom shelf or the top shelf who are going to drive awareness based on sales in order to be able to uh, you know, maybe move up in the shelves, so to speak. So that is our seventh story. Shoprite drives in aisle engagement with their new app. Our eighth there story. Finish right off here. Our eighth story. <laughs> and our eighth story uh, is about a company called Pay Near Me. All one word. Pay Near Me. Uh, they raised twenty million bucks uh, this week, and these guys, I think, they're really interesting because what we're talking about here is enabling people to pay for things that you would normally do online with cash. Okay, so you're actually using physical cash to pay for things that you would you know normally transact online, you know like paying bills or buying tickets or making a purchase on eBay or whatever it is. So basically, these guys have a network of of stores that they work with, Family Dollar, Seven uh, Eleven, and whatever, and they have kind of you know facilities in these stores where you can walk in with cash and basically pay for something that you would that you're buying online. Awesome. I think it's cool because it, because it's so opposite to all the mobile wallet stuff that we talk about and hear about that's not going anywhere. Cash still Cash. works. Still the most transportable currency on the planet, basically. It yes. is the most accepted. So, so that's paynearme. Paynearme.com. Those are, are our eight awesome stories for the week. We're going to go into a little bit more detail on three of those. But before we do that, it's time to bring in our guest of the week. This guy, I got to sit down with Mikhail Damiani a little bit earlier this week to talk about what he's doing with his company. Um, this is obviously a, a huge location play. We dive into it in quite some detail. This episode will be up in a couple of weeks on Untether.tv. I'm going to bring in my guest. It's Mikhail Damiani, CEO and co-founder of BlueByte at BlueByte.com. Mikhail, thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about what you guys do. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you having me on. 
Well, did I get that right? This is this the world of posters, the world of advertising and outdoor advertising and out of home advertising is an incredible yep. opportunity to marry marry that flat screen with the flat screen in your pocket. Am I wrong? Yeah. There? Yeah, no, I think that's that's really kind of the genesis for for how we started off about well, at this point almost 7 years ago. Um, you know, we we said to ourselves, well, like you said, all the signage exists out there in the public domain. You have anything from bus shelters, phone kiosks, airport dios, malls, movie theaters, anywhere you go, you see whether it's static or digital. Um, and we thought to ourselves, hey, that's underutilized real estate. It could do so much more than it's doing today. It's not just about getting an eyeball to see something now that everybody has a cell phone. And even seven years ago, pretty much everyone had a cell phone, albeit not everybody had smartphones to the extent they have today. Uh, but we looked at that signage and said, that's an opportunity, right? That we can do so much more for the consumers. We can do so much more for the brands. We can do so much more for the companies that actually own that signage. And that was really the uh, the genesis for, for Blue Bite. What should the experience be? Like you, you kind of described it a little bit, but it's like when you think about uh, when you think about that that uh, that holistic approach, right? So I'm walking down the street and I see this screen that it, that it, either it's a uh, you know a, a billboard or it's a screen that attracts my attention. You know, is there are there certain things that work exceptionally well? Like I've seen some where you, you give away uh, ebooks and you give away music. I mean, what, what's the enticement there when people are are looking at doing something like this? What should they be doing? Is there categories that work best? There are, and we, we kind of uh, separate those into three main categories of, of value. Uh, so one is entertainment value, um, and that's, you know, like you said, ebooks. We did a big campaign for, uh, for Samsung. It was the largest ever NFC campaign in North America uh, across, I think, 12 major markets, 10 or 12 uh, media types. And that payoff there was, again, rewarding Samsung customers with free content. It was free ebooks, free music, um, free videos. So you would walk up, you would tap it with your NFC phone and it would just get downloaded to your phone. So if it was, a, it was music, it would be a free MP3 that you didn't have to pay for. And that kind of stuff works great, right? I mean, it's things that people consume on a daily basis that are relevant to them. It's broad audience, so it's not specific to a certain subset of Samsung owners. Everybody or most people listen to either listen to music on their phone or read eBooks on their phones now. Um, so those kind of things work super well and it's an easy frictionless experience if you have a Samsung device and that campaign was specifically made for Samsung owners it specifically used only NFC because they wanted to alienate iPhone users <laughs> because they wanted an iPhone user to walk up and say oh have envy too bad exactly yeah. and, I, and it worked it worked very well for that uh, and they even had a Samsung did a commercial um, uh, for it on TV with that type of interaction between two guys one had a Samsung one had some other device and you know he couldn't uh, he couldn't engage so that was a that was a good example. Um, another part of entertainment is studios. We do a lot of work with uh, with the studios. studios. Yeah, yeah, the movie studios. We did a campaign for Paramount for Star Trek when that came out in the airports. And again, the way we look at the content, the value is also part of where is that campaign being run. That campaign was being run in airports. We know people have more dwell time. They have more time to consume media. And so what we did with Paramount again, instead of just giving them a thirty second trailer, we said no. This has to be a unique experience. Let's cater to the audience that we have. And so they cut this special four or five minute behind the scenes footage. It had parts of the trailer. It had commentary from the directors, from the main actors, you know, and really create an experience out of it for those people who were interested. And so only available in the airport. And only available by tapping or scanning that specific sign. At that airport or, and, or and in those mo Yeah, in those multiple airports yeah. that we rented at. Yeah. Um, so that works for entertainment. 
The other one is monetary. So monetary is a huge category. Um, you know, we ran a campaign for for Gap uh, in malls and for the holiday season. Again, you walk up to the digital screen, tap it, scan it, and you get a coupon to go redeem right there and then. But monetary is very subjective, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a ten percent, ten cent off coupon, a hundred dollar product, what's the point? And that's again one of the balances we have is if you're going to do an offer, make it valuable. Don't do a dollar off a five hundred dollar product. That's yeah. not going to really entice them. You're somebody. converting walkers into shoppers, right? That's the goal. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So monetary works very well as long as one, there's proximity to where you could actually redeem it. Two, there's actual value in that monetary um, offer as opposed to just some trivial value. Um, and then to the extent we can couple those multiple value propositions, which is what we try to do often, where you, know, you download this plus you get an offer. So we did one for uh, for Hotels.com and Hotel Tonight. We did an app download in the airports. So that's part of functional value where you're getting, you know, it's not true monetary, it's not entertainment, but it's functional. It's based on your location, provides some kind of utility. So you're in an airport. We're assuming you're a traveler, which is their part their target market. And that's, again, one of the big things about combining mobile without a home is because we're targeting based on location. Right. We're going to that demo. We don't have to get them, get them to fill out a survey saying they're a traveler. They're in the airport. They're obviously a traveler. Um, and so we had a tap and scan to download the app. But as part of the app, you also get a 20 or $25 booking credit when you sign up for it. So to the extent we can take those three categories, but even meld them together where you have components of each. So you have monetary value, functional value, and potentially some entertainment value as part of that. Those work the best especially when it's relevant to your environment, like a travel app in an airport. There will be an episode, a longer episode up on Untether.tv in a couple of weeks. Keep checking back. The best way, I swear to you, Scout's Honor, the best way to find out what's going on on Untether.tv or even with This Week in Location-Based Marketing is to sign up for this little thing called a mailing list. It is the easiest thing. You'll get it in your inbox, plus a whole bunch of more stuff that you can use right away. Just do it. Go to Untether.tv. You'll get it. I know you will. But don't unsubscribe. It's like poking a needle in my eye. It hurts. It hurts, man. (laughs) All right, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into some of these stories. The first one we're going to take a look at is this one that surprises me. Asif is actually happy about something that Foursquare did. This is the deal that Microsoft basically put $15 million. I don't know if it's it's like equivalent to when Microsoft put $140 million into Apple back when Apple was teetering on on the, you know, rim of bankruptcy. But we all know that Foursquare has been out there looking for some money at a ridiculous valuation, and they managed to partner up with somebody called Microsoft, $15 million in, and then all of uh, Foursquare's data to enhance the location services inside of Microsoft products. Asif, you freaking like this. I do like this. This is one of the first things in a long time I can actually say I like that Foursquare's done. and whether this is about survival uh, or or what, you know, who knows? But but it's a good move. It's a good move because, you know, they are sitting on a lot of data. It's the only real asset they have. I mean, they're not making money off of advertising that that anybody that I've talked to can tell. But the data is really interesting, right? And so, you know, yes, Microsoft puts 15 million. Yes, they have some equity into this thing. But at the end of the day, this is all about improving Microsoft's product offering. This is all about you know, Bing search engines and, you know, Windows location-based information and, and making those search results more relevant, you know, to the people who are looking for them. You know, they need to get on a, on a more level playing field with Google. Um, not that you can ever compete with Google mm-hmm. on search, but, but, they're, but they're, they're working on it, right? And they're, they're, they have been growing market share, you know, little by little. And th- this kind of stuff just makes it, you know, a little bit more relevant. And then you got to also remember they've got, you know, the Nokia piece, um, 
over at Microsoft, the, the Here platform, which they also have a license to, uh, if you remember that deal. Um, so they've got all that mapping data. Um, and so if you can take Foursquare's location data and you can combine that with the uh, Nokia Here mapping data and your search engine, now you have a pretty nice you know, local search discovery ecosystem brought to you by you know, the big behemoth known as Microsoft. And they have a new CEO. Yeah, you know who's you know got to got to make his uh, his statement and and his stand on this company. So I think this is amazing. Uh, I think it's good for Foursquare. I think we're going to see more deals like this uh, from Foursquare in terms of licensing their data. I don't know what kind of non-compete Microsoft worked out on here. Hopefully they did something to protect themselves. But you know this is a hopefully a sign of good things to come. Yeah, it's like Micro Bing Square, something like that, right? Yeah. Something, yeah, like that. something like that. This it, it, this is a fascinating thing, and and uh, you know, if Microsoft did sign an exclusive with Foursquare, that basically seals the deal of Foursquare's fate. That's what I believe. Is that yeah. this is a it, it would protect them obviously about you know, taking Foursquare, Yahoo taking Foursquare out because Yahoo's still in that acquisition space. And we've always talked about this is a good fit for somebody like Yahoo who. You know, there's speculation out there will drop the Bing search engine ahead of this 2018 or 2019 contract uh, where, where it ends right now because Bing powers uh, Yahoo and Yahoo will actually, because of Marissa, move into its own search engine technology, which only makes sense, right? You so, never know with these things, right? Like yeah. these things have so many moving parts. I mean, remember Microsoft did a big investment way back when in Facebook, too, yeah. right? Smart. And then now, you know, and, and Facebook, you know, now uses Bing. So, now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that it would be silly for Yahoo not to own their own search engine. I mean, when they gave it up to to go to Bing, it was it was basically it sealed their fate. So they realized that search is as a as a uh, a destination. Search is very important, and they have some great media properties. Yahoo does, and and maybe mm -hmm. Microsoft doing this protects Foursquare um, for a little bit. But if it is an exclusive, it also seals Foursquare's fate because I believe that that means that eventually it'll be uh, you know just brought into Microsoft. And and if that's a bad thing, I don't know. Um, but certainly this is a very 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 cool uh, opportunity for Foursquare. Um, and but I just keep thinking like this, Microsoft has all that clout, right? They have all of that technology, and Foursquare isn't that impressive, right? They have a lot of data around location. They've got data, I mean, metadata, that's the only right? Thing that they have is yeah. data. So right? and so, this is a good, a good move. This is monetizing my data, it's right? A, it's incredible. So uh, I I can't believe it. Mark this date down, man. February seventh, twenty fourteen. Asif is happy with Foursquare. God. So if you don't know who Foursquare is, which I'm sure you do, hopefully you do, uh, go to foursquare.com if you'd like some more information about this. And of course, with this and any other story, please reach out, let us know what you think, rob at untether.tv or seif at the lbma.com. You can always leave us some voicemail at untether.tv forward slash talk, and we will play that here on the show on a segment that has yet to be named or even christened, but we'll figure that out. For sure. So Foursquare getting 15 million schmackaroos from Microsoft. The second story we want to look at is this really cool Place IQ Rentrack TV story. Asif, go a little bit more into detail about why you like this. Obviously, it's Place IQ. We like Place IQ. I love Place IQ. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I love, love Place data, IQ. Right? I, I, lo I love data. I love data, right? As do you, right? Yep. And and for me, you know, just like you know, I, I was happy with Foursquare finally realizing that you know their values, all the data that they have, and being able to license that data and monetize it in, in, in some way. You know, I think Place IQ for me is very similar, in, except that, you know, this is not, you know, a single platform collecting data. This is 
you know, finding ways to look at everybody's data and, and, and show the effectiveness of that data, right? It's a completely different approach to it. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you're Foursquare or, you know, you're Yahoo or you're Rentrack or you're whoever, right? You know, PlaceIQ has a platform to look at from a location point of view with a, with a location lens on it. You know, is that advertising effective? It, you know, you know it, is what you're showing right now actually turning into you know, traffic to the store or, you know, conversion in a sale or what have you, right? And, and also to build audience profiles. And, and we hear over and over again about, you know, the importance of audience profiling. You know, people, you, you know, wind the clock back 50 years, you know, when, you know, we were talking about TV advertising as the only really advertising out there, right? What were you buying? You were buying audiences, yeah. right? You were buying, you know, and, and it's no different today. We're still buying audiences. They're a lot smaller and a lot more targeted. Um, than they were back then, um, but we need better tools, therefore, to measure whether or not you know that that much smaller targeted audience is, is we're actually getting results from that. And I think that's where you know this this combination of you know looking at you know I saw an ad on TV um, for for Chevy, and I saw an ad for Chevy on a mobile device, and is that the same person? Is that the same audience? Do they actually show up at a Chevy dealership at some point in the next little while? And and looking at that, you know, tile tracking exercise, hundred meter square tiles and device IDs showing up in one and then you know showing up again in another, is a very effective way to do this, right? And we're seeing more and more of this. And and, and you know, just a, a kind of corollary to this, that kind of scares me a little bit because we know how effective this stuff is, and we see other companies trying to move into the place IQ space. Yep. I was when I was I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and I, I won't name individuals, but Joe. you know somebody. It was Joe, from, huh? It was Joe. It was Joe. We'll name Joe. But you know, th there was a conversation going on from uh, somebody from a uh, an organization that I, I, I really like, pay, you know, eBay and PayPal, um, and they were talking about moving down the path of being able to link what they're finding with device IDs out in the world uh, and combining that data with what they know about people from PayPal with their with their email addresses. Hmm. So they're going to link anonymous device ID information with to ID. actually find out who it is through their PayPal account. And I think that's a bad move. Yeah. Um, would they tell? Do you think so, they would tell people about it, or is this just uh, you know? I don't know, inference? right? Yeah. But 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 they're act, they're moving down that path. I mean, they've they've come out and said like we're we're going down this path, and then that's a privacy nightmare. Yeah, waiting to happen. So anyhow, it, it's you know I th I think this kind of approach where we're just looking at device ID and where where it, where it appears from time to time, and how that you know is not just about mobile. It's about TV. It's about screens. It's yep. about everything, right? You know that connection. People, places, media. Well, you know, this this sounds a lot like that thing that we talk about a lot, which is attribution, right? Ultimately, mm -hmm. that's what it is, is that, you know, we're no longer satisfied. Nobody's satisfied with just having a screen or an ad on a screen or simply throwing it out there and hoping that people see it and interact with it. Uh, you, maybe there's a transition happening here, and I think that Place IQ is right in the middle of all this, where you're going to actually pay based on the the attribution, based on the the number of conversions that that ad has, and we've talked about this many many times. And even in uh, the interview with Mikhail, uh, we talk about this as well: is that that transition happening around interactive display and uh, and attribution? And I think that yep. boy, this is this is an interesting time that we are emerging into because it's no longer about how many eyeballs walk past; it's how many people actually stop, interact, and transact, right? 
It's very cool. Agreed. So, so PlaySiQ.com, we talk about these guys all the time, but they're right at the forefront of all of these things. And uh, and Rentrack TV combining. Uh, that Duncan guy, he's smart. Duncan! If you're listening Duncan. to this, Duncan. By the way, Duncan will be at Retail Loco in South by Southwest with Rob and I. Of course so, he will. you know. Of course you want to meet these guys in person, they'll be there. Show up. Show up. All right, the third story, and the last one, we're going to really uh, take a deep dive into this. You, you know, this this is a fascinating story around, uh, you know, paying with cash for things online. And I remember, Asif, way back, we're talking about pay, uh, pay near me. Uh, mm -hmm. But I remember way back, didn't Walmart do that? They, they had this moment where they thought, listen, you know, people are, are want to buy online, but they don't. some people don't have credit cards or access to credit cards. So they said, pay online or buy online and then come into the store to pay the cash, right? Is that what yeah. we're looking at here with pay near me? That's exactly what we're looking at yeah. here. I mean, this this is, in some respects, what we're talking about here is you know, uh, you know, no different than things like the Western Union network, right? <laughs> uh, of, you know, I mean, that that's effectively what what this is. Yeah. And these guys, you know, they're not small. Like they've been around for a while. Like it's, this is not a startup that's just you know uh, appearing uh, for the first time. They've just you know they're in the news because they raised twenty million bucks to grow their network. Um, but they, you know, they've got this deal with Family Dollar, which has eight thousand stores Crazy. Uh, in forty in forty states. They've got, you know, Seven um, Eleven, Ace, uh, Cash Express. Um, so I mean, in total, seventeen thousand locations in the U.S. that you can walk into um, and pay, and pay with, with cash. cash for stuff online, right? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is. Um, you know, I think this this is. This is interesting to me because uh, you know I don't know what the numbers are. I, I don't have have them handy, but there there are a lot of people in the U.S. and Canada and and especially in third in third world markets where you know the the whole concept of banking doesn't exist, mm -hmm. right? Like like people just get paid in cash, right? Mm -hmm. Like like that's that's how they work. I mean, I I can show you farms here in Ontario, right, where where we live that you walk out to and the farmers pay all their workers in cash. There there is no electronic transaction. There's no ADP payroll deposit. There's there's none of that going on, nope. right? There's a lot of cash, you know, and it still works pretty well. So, you know, those people still have to pay for services. They still have things, that, you know, cable bills and, and, and you know, electricity and, and whatever they got to pay for. Um, and, and so the ability for them to go and, and because they can't do online banking, because they're not equipped that way, and to walk into a store at a Seven Eleven and just say, "Yeah, you know, here, here's my fifty bucks for my uh, for my phone bill this month," and pay that, I, I think that's cool. It's enabling everywhere. I mean, for for those people who have online banking and a bank account, this it doesn't make a lot of sense for for a lot of people. But yeah. if you need to do this, you need to pay your cell phone or your. I mean, if you have a cell phone or your your cable, it's it's very interesting to do this uh, here in Ottawa. If you want to, for example, it's it, it, this is this is an, a perfect example. Is that uh, if you have fuel costs, right, that you have to fill up, like you're in oil or whatever, and you don't have a credit card, um, they you have to actually physically walk, drive, you know, wh wherever, 20, 30 kilometers to the one location that accepts payments, which is their main office during their hours to be able to go and pay, and uh, and you pay cash or whatever it is at that point. So wouldn't it be great to be able to use something like Pay Near Me across the city and then enable this system so that you can go into a 7-Eleven. You can go into any Yeah, and the people. merchants, like the merchants that it. these guys signed up are yeah. huge. So yeah. it's not just the network of stores that you can walk into no. and hand them your cash. I mean, it's 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 the it's the merchants who are billing you um, yes. that are that are embracing this too. So they got like Greyhound, like the bus lines uh, on board with this. They've got H and R Block. They've got even some local governments uh, uh, on board uh, where you know, like if you got to pay your child support, you can walk in with cash. 
right to do that. Um, it's perfect. You know, it's amazing. Parking tickets, whatever. I mean. Well, you know, I often say this about this currency. We talk about all these wallets and mobile wallets and, and making sure that they're transferable and making sure that you can use them across the country or the city or the state or the province or around the world. Uh, and how many mobile wallets are we really going to be able to carry with us? And, and uh, you know, I, I still think the most portable currency is the American dollar. And for, I'm Canadian, but the Canadian dollar, as you get further south and basically like Lake Placid, New York, from where I am, <laughs> uh, it, they don't accept the Canadian dollar anymore. But if you come you anywhere in Canada and anywhere around the world, an American dollar is accepted. It is an odd thing, but that is still the most trans or, or the most portable currency on the planet. Cash That's is true. still king for a lot of people. A lot of people. There are people who are doing it legally, and there are people who just want to put a little money in their pocket without the government looking in, you know. What I'm saying is that the people who are doing it legally. It's very interesting here. Cash is still king. Cash is still king. So the key here is that the Payneer Me raised $20 million. Uh, it was led by uh, new investor GSV Capital, and all of their other participating uh, investors are in this as well. August Capital, Maveron, True Ventures, and Kosla Ventures. So this is Payneer Me closing $20 million for cash. Do you think they got paid in cash? Do you think they use their own service <laughs> to get paid? Who knows? Paynearme.com. I highly doubt it. Yeah, I know. It would I be, uh, you know, I've always wanted to know. It's like, uh, like taking like a $20 million check. Is it a cashier's check? Did they verify it? It's, all, it's probably wired in anyways, but uh, I would like to accept a check. Can you write that in a check? How many signatures on that thing? Paynearme.com. Okay, so those are the eight big stories that we wanted to cover. We went into deep on the three that we think are the most relevant. You tell us if those are the most relevant stories. You tell us if you like this format. We are trying to cruise through this so you get your stuff very, very quickly. You can listen to the top eight stories and then go away. You can listen to us talk in depth about it and then stick around. You can listen to the guest, you, whatever you want to do, but we want to create a tapestry of as much information as we can jammed into as little time as you you, you actually can, you, you know, you have in the morning on your commute to be able to listen to this and, and get some stuff out of it. So we'd really appreciate it. You know how to reach us. Robin on Tether.tv, Asif at the LBMA.com, Asif Arkan on Twitter, Rob Woodbridge on Twitter. Please let us know we're doing this for you. And that is the end of our news. Our last piece is our resource, Asif. Hey, location. It's the new currency for marketing. What? What? God, I wish I had known this when you started the Location-Based Marketing Association. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have been doing this show. Oh, uh, thank you know, God. Some, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, this is a great little report uh, put out by our friends at Screen Media Daily. So thanks for uh, for sharing this with us, guys. Um, and so it's got some it's got some great data in here. So uh, this is kind of it's pulling data from Google. It's got data from the uh, um, Digital Place uh, Digital Place-Based Advertising Association, which is an association that's all about you know sort of digital out of home in 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 in, in place places. Um, anyways, um, there's some other criteria around that around dwell time <laughs> and other things. But anyways, I won't go into all that. Um, but some great little data in here. So Google says 50% of all mobile searches have local intent. 17% of search happens while consumers are on the go. So you're mobile. Uh, and then the DPAA, that's that association that I was trying to get out. Um, 64% of planners in that are advising their clients to shift their budget away from traditional out-of-home to digital place-based media. That's an interesting number. It's crazy. <coughs> um, 
so yeah, some good data in here. Um, and this, like, a lot of the stuff in here is the stuff that I'm going to be talking about at uh, at the Digital Signage Expo event uh, next week as well. So I mean, this this is exactly that audience. Um, so if you're in digital out of home, if you're in digital place based media, uh, and you want to understand mobile and location and search and how all those things come together. Take a look at this this report from the Screen Media Daily. You know what was staggering about this for me was that was that uh, these guys are also the planners. They're recommending um, that they move dollars away. Forty forty one percent of them move dollars away from uh, television, and then forty percent say to move it away from online and move it into place based marketing channels. Like this, this might be something. You might be onto something here with the whole LBMA thing. I see. <laughs> Who knows? You know. Oh. Screen Media we, we, Daily. We give it a whirl and we see what happens. Yeah, it's more than a Spin world. Right? How many times have you been around the world is the question to see. That's how many times it's taken for this to, to, to catch on. But yeah. uh, Screen so, Media well, Daily. Well, but yeah, next week we'll be live from Sydney. Wow. Now that's yeah. either really early for you or really late for me, It'd be right? be crazy, but we're going to do it. 16-hour time difference. We'll figure it out. We don't, we don't miss a show. We do not miss a show. ScreenMediaDaily.com. You can go and download that for free. If you don't want to remember a URL, all you have to do is go to untether.tv. Uh, and this is episode number 168. Or you can go to thelbma.com and you can click on the link there in resources, right? Under resource. Thelbma.com forward slash resource. You got it. All right. So that is, my friends, that is it. That is episode number 168. What do you think? Do you like this format? Are we speaking too quickly? Uh, is there not enough meat? We would love to hear your feedback, please. Or we're going to keep doing this. We're just going to keep going. And if you don't like it and we don't want you to leave, we'll you go back to the old us. way. Yeah, you got to tell if us. If you want us to go back to the old way where we kind of talk about the six stories and, and spend some time on each one, we can do that. Yeah. And you if, know, you, if you have We do opinion, this for you guys. So, you know, you tell us what, what you want. Please, please. But we're just trying to tighten it up a little bit. Tighten this thing up a little bit so that you get your information as quickly as possible. So if we don't hear from you uh, between now and episode number 169, live from Australia, uh, well, we are going to do this format again from there, provided that there's a good enough bandwidth. We may look a little bit tired. One of us will be, but yeah. we will. I mean, that. like it's just this whole episode has been about winter and cold. So I got to go. I got to go where it's hot. We'll see you next week for episode number 169, where Asif will be live in Australia. Until then, thank you for watching. Thank you for sticking around. And thank you for your feedback that will be coming, I'm sure. We'll see you next week, everybody.